You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. We're speaking with Tim Holman. He's the editor of the U.S. version of Orbit Books. Thank you for joining me, Tim. Well, thank you very much for having me. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Orbit Books? It, it's an old imprint from the U.K. It, it is old, although we, we think about, like to think of ourselves as being very fresh and, and youthful in, in spirit. Um, Orbit was launched in Who's your parent company here? Uh, we are part of the Hachette Book Group here. And within the Hachette Book Group, we are within the Little Brown um, division. Well, they're, they're responsible for some great stuff. Now, I really like what you've done with the imprint so far. Can you tell us a little bit, what was your, vi- you came from the UK. I did, yes, absolutely. I, I relocated in August of last year to, to help set up the imprint here, although I, I still have responsibility for the, for, for the imprint in, in the UK. Oh, um, so you're running both. I, I, I am, absolutely. I mean, obviously, in, in not such a hands-on way in, in, in terms of the UK imprint at this stage, because um, it's just it's impossible to do so. We have a very good team um, of people in, 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 in the UK. But technically, yes, I am. I'm, I'm publishing director of both, um, and also actually have a, an involvement with Orbit in Australia, which is going to be launching um, the second half of next year um, to give us to give Orbit you know kind of local publishing in in the three biggest English language markets in, in the world. So it's certainly a, a time of considerable investment in in the SF and fantasy publishing area by by Hachette internationally. But obviously the US is the, is the biggest the biggest of those markets. So I think it's only appropriate that I'm that I'm here at this stage. Well, this is, I was really glad to hear Orbit coming over to the U.S. And, and, but I have to say, I, I, your, um, pub, what you published so far, it, mm. it's, it's been surprising. It's good, but it's, it's not exactly what I expected. What, what, were, you, what were you expecting? Well, I guess um, in the, the U.K., I, I think of Orbit and I think mm. of Al, Al Reynolds and, and uh, a kind of a hard uh, science fiction uh, orientation and okay. here and here we've we've seen uh, 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 what I would call I guess hard fantasy and, and okay. I really like it it's very interesting it, okay tell us a little bit about some of those editorial decisions you're making right now uh, well I the just to, I mean just to backtrack slightly to clarify Al, Al Reynolds is actually published by um, Orion in the UK 
northern orbit. We're all part of all part of Hachette. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, um, but the I mean, the the general, I guess, publishing you know kind of strategy and approach for orbit certainly in you know in 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 the UK and and now in in, in the US, I'm sure in, in Australia as well, is publishing science fiction and fantasy in a you know kind of slightly more mainstream friendly way maybe, um, and that does entail I think not. Um, not kind of romanticizing science fiction and fantasy in, in the way that you know may, maybe has, has happened um, uh, over you know over, over the last ten or twenty years. I mean, it's, I think it's quite interesting that other other genres, whether it's crime fiction, mysteries, or thrillers, um, you know, women's women women's commercial fiction, whatever whatever genre, has changed quite a lot in the last um, ten years. In, in, in particular in, in publishing, how you know how the, the genre or how publishers have chosen to kind of brand that particular genre and reach reach the natural audience for it. Um, I'm not sure that's quite happened in science fiction and fantasy quite as significantly as it has in, in other areas. And where Orbit, I think, fits into that is that we are, as I say, really trying to publish the authors in a, in a way that is a it's slightly, slightly different to, to, to how others have been been, been doing it, um, and publishing genre fiction in a way that that actually helps, hopefully, the authors to kind of stand out rather than to just fit into a very generic um, approach to, to, to genre genre publishing. So we want the authors to look um, striking, different, um, exciting in in their own right, rather than saying here's another here's another fantasy novel for people who like fantasy. We, want, we actually want to say here's a, a fantasy author who, who has this particular strength to their writing, a particular quality to their writing. And that means that something like Brian Ruckley, for example, like Brian Ruckley, for example, who was one of our launch season authors, who's written a very, who's, who, and on, on the one hand, you know, a quite a traditional epic fantasy, but one that is very different in that it doesn't have a great deal of magic in the world. And it's set in a, in a world that has a very harsh and, and, and brutal uh, character to it, and it would have been entirely wrong to put a uh, you know a, a sweet painting of um, ro- rolling hillsides and, and you know nice clouds in the background. Um, we wanted to come up with a with a look that did reflect the fact that it was a, a tough you know novel where um, people's lives weren't easy, um, tough choices were made, and there were no easy Solutions to you know the, the, the problems that the world um, faces through you know through through the use of magic. I mean it's it's a very legitimate fantasy novel, um, and I think you know a very exciting one, but it, one that really demanded it seemed to me a, a, a you know a distinctive a distinctive look. That's one of the things that I, I really like about the way your fantasy titles are being published and, and the way they look. It, it seems that you've, as you say, taken away some of the um, trappings of just being genre fiction and published them more as novels so that somebody who's walking along and looking for an adventure novel or, or a novel, uh, you know, of serious concerns where, you yeah. de- where characters have to grapple with stuff that matters to us now, you can pick up uh, Winter Birth and, and see, well, this is, this is not just some fluffy Novel. There seems to be some real uh, tension in that. Absolutely, and and hopefully that 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 will be a way in which 
readers out there, not just existing, you know, kind of fat science fiction fantasy readers, but book, book readers, people who, you know, whatever, whether they like exciting, you know, kind of pulp fiction or more literary fiction. I mean, we all know that the science fiction fantasy genre has a huge amount of diversity within it and, and you know, a huge range of different kinds of writers. Um, it's only right that I think the books reflect that range of kind of writing style that's there. And it does seem to us that, that science fiction fantasy in a way has never been healthier in um, non-book areas of, of, you know, kind of story-driven um, entertainment, whether it's on, you know, kind of TV, in movie theaters, computer games. Science fiction fantasy are exciting and engaging, you know, with the widest possible audience you could you can imagine. And, and, and the genres are, you know, incredibly healthy and, and, and extremely prevalent within within those other areas. I mean, also within, actually within the book world, we, I don't think we've ever seen more science fiction fantasy tropes being um, apparent in quote-unquote mainstream fiction. Um, equally in, in children's fiction, science fiction, fantasy are, um, and fantasy in particular, are, are um, e- everywhere you look. Um, it's interesting in that context, I think, that you know that the science fiction fantasy publishing world hasn't doesn't quite seem to be engaging with as wide an audience, as wide a, a kind of a demographic as science fiction fantasy in those in those other areas. Um, and we we do feel quite strongly that a large part of the, the reason for that is that you know that we we don't seem I don't think have been particularly good as a you know as a, as a part of the publishing industry of actually capturing what it is that is exciting about individual authors um, and trying to reach the natural audience for those individual authors. I think we've all, to a degree, fallen into the trap of thinking that we are publishing genre fiction. Therefore, there's only one way to publish, you know, a given author. We maybe can decide, okay, it's a science fiction author, therefore we'll put a spaceship on the front, or it's a fantasy author, therefore we'll put a, you know, a, a, a painted scene of, of from the book on the on the front on on the on the cover. Um, but as I say, that's not really, I don't think, as um, you know, a, a particularly exciting way of of engaging with um, the, the widest possible audience for what we know are books that that, that do have um, you know incredible appeal, um, an incredible reach. I think. We, all publishers have been frustrated to varying degrees over the years by the fact that science fiction and fantasy don't often don't seem to be treated um, kind of equally um, alongside other other genres. It's not it's not given the seriousness maybe that you know that literary fiction is afforded. It's not given the um, the placement that that um, from you know within the, within the media that that um, that maybe other other genres kind of enjoy it. But as I say, I do think to a degree that is because of the fact that, that, that the, the authors themselves seem to sometimes have been given, kind of given second place to the, to, to the genre. Um, so I think, I, I think we're certainly living in very interesting times for genre fiction publishing. I mean, obviously the fact that we've decided to launch Orbit as a genre you know, imprint um, and, and proud to be a genre imprint in, in the U.S. Um, we're expanding in the UK. We're we're increasing the number of titles we're publishing there um, year on year, which is not something that many publishers are are, are doing at the moment. And, and also the launch in in Australia does, I mean, obviously reflect our kind of commitment to, jo- to genre fiction publishing and and um, publishing books that are you know I say proudly science fiction. Fantasy.
know, idea of how science fiction and, and, and fantasy should be published, or you know, the, the, that this idea that well, it's always been done this way, therefore we've got to carry on, carry on doing so indefinitely. Um, and it does seem to me that you know that the the market seems to be bearing out the, the kind of the, that, that tension at the moment because there aren't that. I mean, the, I mean, the science fiction fantasy market, the figures will throw up generally at the moment that it's a, it's a relatively stable market um, or a flat market, depending on your um, kind of perspective on that. But there haven't been a huge number of you know kind of new authors who have come along over the last um, few years. Certainly not as many as. I think you'd expect in a in an area that, as I say, is so successful and so prevalent in um, popular culture, in as I say, in in um, uh, movies, computer games, TV, and and, and indeed as they kind of main, mainstream fiction. So I I do think there is a, a question that we all need to kind of look at and and address in a way if if science fiction fantasy publishing is going to um, Kind of strengthen um, and and to you know to fulfil its kind of potential and and indeed not um, to find things very very tough over the coming years and I think part of that is is to make the authors um, as I say the, the the starting point of our publishing plans rather than the the, um, the traditions of say of, of of science fiction fantasy publishing. One thing that uh, strikes me, you do have a lot of new authors. You, you brought in all mm-hmm. of Brian, Brian Ruckley and uh, K.J. Parker. That's right. Uh, generally, these authors come up through uh, the ranks of you know the science fiction magazines, and, and, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen many of these authors in, in the science fiction magazine, so where are you finding these people? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be telling. <laughs> See, well, I mean, the... Well, actually, one, one there are two aspects to that. One is that um, being now part of you know a, a very much an international operation, um, authors are coming from all over the world. So on our you know on a, for our launch season, we have the majority of authors are American authors nat- naturally, but we also have a fair number of British authors. We have an author from Australia. We have an, uh, an author from New Zealand. We actually have an author we're publishing in our next season from um, from Poland. So we do have very much an international um, perspective on the on, on, on the market, and those authors they can can come from 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 any of those places, and, and our relation with agents in particular in in those different in those different markets. Um, I don't I don't think there's any general um, uh, generalization that would answer that question adequately because <laughs> they, they authors can come from. From from it from anywhere, I say, be it whether it's an agent, whether it's um, a conversation with somebody at a convention who mentions an author they've you know they're aware of or they've they've read. I mean, one thing that's been very encouraging is the number of authors we have on we have on the list who really kind of want to be part of what we're doing and publishing in in in, in the way that we're publishing. Um, and I think without without exception, our authors have you know have understood it, and they're all. Um, very very keen to be to be part of it. So I think one one possible answer to the question is that you know that the authors find us as well as you know us finding the the authors um, because of the way we're publishing and because of the way that I think a lot of authors you know share the you know the frustrations of, of publishers I'm sure on when they're kind of categorised as a, as a genre author and don't enjoy 
enjoy maybe the the exposure that authors, authors in other areas might feel they get. But I, and I, I think authors are seeing and realizing that actually, you know, if they are that, that they can be published on a by genre imprint in a way that actually gives them that little bit more potential to uh, to reach that that wider audience that that, that, that they know that they would um, you know kind of be be able to reach. One one thing that that's very striking is of course the art design for your books. Uh, who's 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 your uh, uh, production designer? Well, well, the, I mean, the, the in charge of beauty. <laughs> the the we have. The, because of the, the the fact we have a number of authors' books that we are publishing both in the U.S. and the U.K., both American authors and British authors, we have I think a, you know a very healthy um, kind of a, a, a approach to to the covers. Some are developed in the U.K., some are developed in the U.S. They all kind of bounce backwards and forwards, and in some cases, you know, the the, the initial illustration will come from an illustrator who's been um, commissioned in, in the U.S., for example, then, you know, the, the typography, the design may be looked at or um, kind of altered in a way by, you know, the, the, the London design team. Then it may come back to the U.S. with another kind of tweak. So some, a number of the covers have, have been genuinely, you know, kind of joint, joint um, uh, projects by, by, the, by the, the New York and, and the London design team. But there are a number of different designers within the design department in, uh, within, you know, Hachette in the U.S. and and Little Brown in, in in the U.K. So again, there's no single mastermind behind it. But while there are a number of different designers working on the covers, one thing that we've been very keen to um, make sure is that there is a, a a kind of a single design approach behind all of the covers, which is to you know kind of come up with fresh and exciting and distinctive looks for for all of the books. I mean, hopefully if you uh, spread out or, you know, the, the range of the books that were published on the launch season, for example, you should be able to um, identify pretty easily which kind of book you're most likely to enjoy. Um, you should be able to identify what kind of writing it is, what, um, the, the, obviously, whether it's science fiction or fantasy within fantasy, whether it's a, you know, kind of a fantasy that is, uh, you know, at a particular path, you know, along the, the spectrum of writing within within the genre that we talked about earlier. The the idea is that those covers should very quickly and very instantly tell you something about the, the writer. You shouldn't need to read the blurb or read the first chapter or, you know, kind of delve that, you know, kind of more, more deeply into the book before being able to work out. Um, what kind of fictional fantasy it is. So they should all look very different. Um, while, while, as I say, following that 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 similar kind of um, aesthetic for the for the for, the, for their design. Can you give us a preview of uh, some of the titles coming out in the spring that you're particularly excited about in both science fiction and the fantasy realm? And also, you're doing some uh, material that might once have been categorized as horror when that was a popular genre. Uh, I, I certainly can. I'd be, I'd be very happy to. And firstly, I guess, because you mentioned earlier about the, the fact that, you know, that we seem to be um, publishing more fantasy than, than SF, that, I mean, that, that may simply, have, I think, be the, um, the weighting of, of the list so far, but it's certainly not the, the intention, you know, going forward that we... Oh, 
oh, good. Don't, don't publish um, a, um, an exciting range of SF as well. I mean, SF in the marketplace is um, having a tougher time than any, any part of the, you know, the genre. Um, the, you know, the, the, the by far the most buoyant part of the, the field, if it is technically within the field, is the, the urban fantasy, paranormal romance kind of area. Um, fantasy is um, certainly no, is 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 um, uh, is doing fine. Um, I guess is the, the best way to summarise it. But SF is 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 very very tough to publish at the moment, and that's why I think a, a number of publishers are. Um, being kind of cautious with their SF publishing programs, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that Orbit has, um, uh, you know, more than its kind of fair share, as it were, of of, um, of SF that we're publishing. And actually, next month we have a, a debut novel by a, a British SF writer called Philip Palmer, um, which is Debatable Space, which is one of the most um, kind of unusual. And, and an exciting SF debut novel I've read for a, for a very long time. It's a fantastic piece of storytelling. Um, Philip is a quite an experienced um, writer for TV and movies and theatre, and he understands about narrative incredibly well. Debatable Space is a, a rather extraordinary roller coaster ride of a novel. On the one hand, it's a space opera. On, the, on a, another perspective, it's a, a, a future history of Earth from, from present day onwards. Um, what struck me about it was it's a novel that surprises you every, at least, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of every, at most rather every every half dozen pages with, with one of those plots that, can, that really does twist and turn from, from beginning to end. With some, and very, very in, in, inventive and, and, and energetic novel. So we're very excited about that coming next month. Um, we have a new novel from Ian M. Banks um, to continue the science fiction theme coming in February, and that's called Matter. Um, Ian, is, as I'm sure you know, is a well. He's the, he's the best-selling SF author in, in the UK, and Orbit have published him in the UK for for many years. He's he's had a number of publishers in in the US, um, but I really am thrilled that Orbit's going to be publishing the new novel here. We're publishing simultaneously with the the UK in hardcover and certainly so far we've had a, a, a very um, very positive reaction to the fact that we are publishing him. And, and it's a culture novel too, right? It's a, it is a culture novel, absolutely. Um, called Matter. It's very exciting It's a, and it's a big culture novel as well. Um, oh, good. So uh, it's very a very exciting book and I think it will be really interesting to see how a, you know, a new um, Ian M. Bank culture novel published simultaneously with, with with the UK um, and with a you know a, a significant amount of um, promotional support behind it, will um, will do. There's certainly a, a real sense of anticipation that we've picked up so far. Um, in the next month, we have a novel called Black Ship um, by a an, another debut author called Joe Graham, who's an American author. Black Ships is a, a historical fantasy novel, which is a a, it's a retelling of the need, um, uh, but it's a rather fascinating one. It's, it's from the perspective of an oracle um, living 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 at living at the, at, at the time in, in, in ancient Greece. It's a wonderfully lyrical um, novel, a and and again a novel that I think will is a natural novel that will appeal to you know kind of both fantasy readers and and people who like um, historical fiction. Um, just 
strong stories, strong strong characters, um, and is one that we, we we can very easily publish in a more I say more mainstream friendly way than is than is often 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 the case. I think um, there's a big growth area for fantasy, the kind of fantasy that you publish, because a, a lot of the best fantasy bears a, a more than small resemblance to the best historical fiction. I've talked to some writers who write historical fiction. It's very true. It's a very interesting point, I think. And I think a lot of the, you know, the impetus that, that, that draws people to fantasy is very similar to the one that draws people to historical fiction. You know, it's the, the ability to immerse yourself in, an, in another world. In a, in, a, in a fantasy novel, that might be a, a, a literally, an, you know, literally an, another world, an, an imagined world. In historical fiction, it's a past world, but in many ways, it's, it's, it, it amounts to the same. It's, it's exploring a new world. It's putting yourself as a reader in a um, in a in a different setting and in in, in, in enabling you to um, for characters to um, reveal themselves to you in in a, in a rather different way and, and, and in some ways a you know a very interesting way. And I'm sure a lot of the the reasons why a writer may be drawn to historical fiction are, are, are very similar to the reasons why other writers are drawn to um, fantasy fantasy fiction. So I think it's a very interesting comparison between the two. We have we have another author actually who's coming along slightly later later next year in the later in the spring, uh, Marie Brennan, who um, has been published previously on in the U.S. with a couple of novels, but has written quite a different novel this time called Midnight Never Come, um, which is on the one hand, a historical novel set in Elizabethan England, um, with all of the, the kind of the courtly intrigue that one would expect of a, a novel set in, in, the, in the time of Elizabeth's um, court. On, on the other hand, it's a, a rather deliciously dark fantasy novel because Marie Brennan imagines that underneath London, um, within the catacombs of, of the city, resides a, an, an alternative court, which is a, a fairy court, um, but it's not the kind of fairies with um, sweet little wings that, um, and, you know, of, of a Tinkerbell kind of variety, they're, but they're rather malicious and they're rather um, mischievous, um, and they, they kind of interact with the, the court above ground, as it were, and she, she pulls off a rather wonderful narrative trick by, you, you reach a point in the novel where you actually realize that you've that you're you're thinking that both of these courts are just as um realistic as each other no no neither one is more incredible to, than the other and it's a very clever i think merging of you know of history and and fantasy um she gives the two courts absolutely equal kind of weighting in terms of how she introduces them in in the novel and i think that absolutely echoes what you're what you're what you're referring to and the the that the interest and, the, and the, the possibility that you know that readers who enjoy historical fiction can are just as likely to enjoy you know, kind of fan, fantasy fiction, especially you know the way that you're packaging your fantasy fiction. Because mm. when I talked to uh, Charles Fraser, the guy, gentleman who wrote uh, Cold Mountain, yeah. he told me that his historical novels he felt were as remote and as imagined as any science fiction or fantasy novel. And I, mm. and I think that's, that's certainly, there's a certain element of truth to that. And I think that yeah. a lot of the people who are buying stacks and stacks of Charles Fraser and some of these other uh, historical novels, if they can manage to lay their hands on some of these kind of more realistic 
lightly written fantasy novels that they are going to be very happy in their reading I, experience. I agree. I agree, and I, and it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly I've, I've noticed. I think you know, it's an international trend that 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 does seem to be, and this isn't just a you know a marketing trend, as it were, or you know, one that relates to you know the packaging of the books. It's actually coming from the writers as well. That does seem to be genuinely a move away from fantasy that that kind of. Uh, reinforces those, you know, the, 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 the sense of a fantasy world being remote from our, our, from, from our own um, by it having a, you know, a very, very uh, kind of, of, of the otherworldly, um, you know, kind of magical system behind it where, you know, kind of problems are resolved through, um, through, through magic or something that is that is, I say, otherworldly, and, and writers do seem to be, certainly we're seeing it in a number of submissions that we're getting, of, of books that are fantasy books that actually feel like historical, like historical fiction. Um, I, and I wonder, it might be that it is actually simply reflecting the fact that this awareness, either you know, conscious or, or, or subconscious, that, that fantasy and science fiction in those other areas that I mentioned in, you know, in, in, in movies, in the, you know, in the TV and, and in mainstream fiction, indeed, are kind of taking rather a different approach to, to science fiction and fantasy. They're presenting science fiction and fantasy in a rather more um, accessible and real-world kind of way. They're, they're not emphasizing the difference between you know, a fantasy novel and, and a, a non-fantasy novel, as it were. They are they're almost start the starting point of the real world, and then they're turning the dial a little bit to introduce that element of strangeness. And I think that is what you know the the the, uh, the wider audience that's out there for science fiction fans. I think that's what they you know kind of respond to, and I think that's what they're excited by in in science fiction and fantasy. And we know from a from a from a literary point of view, that's what science fiction and fantasy really does offer. It is you know there's nothing. Outlandish. There's nothing that is um, irrelevant at all, or purely escapist about science fiction and fantasy. And in, in many ways, it's more relevant to the real world um, than a lot of um, fiction that pretends to be mainstream fiction set in some world that the author has imagined is actually, you know, reflecting the life that they live in, in whatever country or whatever city it it may be. There are just as many truths. There are just as many um, you know, kind of exciting and, and, and interesting and challenging ideas and circumstances and, and problems and, and issues facing, um, you know, everybody in, in, in the modern world in, in, a, in a science fiction um, or fantasy novel. Um, sometimes, obviously, that's not, not well, every science fiction or fantasy novel. This what you're saying reflects, I think, a lot of what the discussion of late in the science fiction and fantasy community. There's on one hand, there's a lot of people who are saying that um, science fiction is never about the future; it's always about the present. It's written in the present, and so is fantasy. It's never about necessarily these other worlds it creates. It's really it's written in this world. It's about this world. Yeah. And then to balance that, we have uh, the Karen Joy Fowler. What she told me was that the tools of mimetic realistic fiction are no longer adequate to describe a world in which Arnold Schwarzenegger is the governor of California. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think it's a very good point, and it, it's it's been made far better than I just have. I'm I'm sure, but I think I think it's also worth saying that I don't think you know it, it's probably not a good idea to try to find too many generalizations about science fiction and fantasy, and this kind of goes back to um, what I've been talking about. I think it, there is a tendency to try to um, to strategize and to I say generalize about science fiction and fantasy, and, and maybe we've all done that a little bit too much. Uh, maybe we should actually be, as I say, thinking a little bit more about the authors and what it is that's exciting about those authors. In each individual that. book, yeah. Exactly, and promoting that in how we publish the books and how we, how we market those books. And then I think the, the, the readers, the, the audience, will are far more likely to actually engage themselves and be excited about what it is that originally excited us from a, you know, from a publishing point of view. Um, about those authors, so I, I I try to you know to to exercise a degree of caution when there's you know when there's ever a, a you know a, a debate that that starts about um, concerning what it is about science fiction fantasy or or some kind of trying to come up with some kind of identifying characteristics for the for the genre. Because I say I'm I think from a publishing point of view, from a personal point of view, and also from a I'd say from a from an imprint point of view, what what excites us are are, are the authors and, and publishing them in a way that um, that's, that's that's different to you know to um, other authors who are out there. And I mean, the people often say, you know, what are we looking for in a in a in an author? And and it, it might sound a little bit glib, but what we are looking for in an author, you know, being submitted to us is something that we haven't seen in any other author. Something where we can actually say. You know what's exciting about this author is this particular quality, so that we then, you know, immediately have a, a you know, a starting point for the discussion over how we're going to publish that author and how we're going to try to, you know, reach the reach the widest possible readership readership for them. Um, what we're what we're not looking for is a, you know, a, a manuscript that we'd read and say, well, okay, well, it's a perfectly decent, you know, kind of fantasy adventure book. It's, not particularly remarkable, but we're sure it'll do okay. That's that's not the you know the kind of book that you know generally we're we're um as say excited excited about about publishing. Um, and so far, you know, so far everything is going very well. We've had a fantastic reaction from um the you know the, the book trade. We're we're getting a lot of support for the for the books. Um, it's very encouraging to see that you know that reviewers are have responded very positively. Um, for the most part, to what to, to what we're doing. So, so far, fingers crossed, everything is you know is looking very good. But we're it's very early days for us, and we're we're planning on being around for for quite a long time. Um, yeah, you know we've, we've only been we've only been publishing for a for a few months, so um, some way to go. We're, we'll look forward to more seeing more of your titles and speaking with you again. We've been speaking with Tim Holman. He's the editor of Orbit Books. Thank you for joining me, Tim. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thank you.